Well, we're going to continue our series on us, which is about our relationships. Us consists of any friendship, any co-worker friendship, teammates, uh, any relationship that's romantic, marriage, family, sibling, any relationship is us. And so we hopefully you've enjoyed the, this, this uh, series so far. And today we're going to talk on another topic within that that really affects relationship and something that I have a lot of experience in, and that is anger. Anyone have a lot of experience in anger with me? Like, oh, raise your hand. Raise your hand. But raise them up high. Be proud. Okay, yeah, okay, good. How many of you are angry that I made you raise your hand? I mean, um, so um, uh, let me just tell you a story that I told uh, the, the Men's Life of David study about three weeks ago. Because I, I, I do have experience in this, and I, I can't spend a lot of time on stories about me, but I want to get into a lot of things today, a lot of different avenues and rabbit trails on anger. I shared this about 15 years ago, and I'm going to share it again this morning like I did on that Monday night. And that is this, that uh, I didn't realize how angry I was until something happened around 1988. I, I, I didn't see it. Uh, you know, when you're angry, you don't see it. You just blame everybody else. But uh, uh, that certain thing happened that one day, and it's like, okay, I've got some problems in my life. And I remember that um, somebody just disagreed with me on something. Somebody just told me something, and it would always happen that way, where somebody disagree, and something would trigger inside of me, and I would get really angry. Anybody know what that feels like at all? Where, you know, somebody disagrees, and all of a sudden, it becomes this personal event, right? I remember I went home that day, and I did what I'd always done, and I never realized how bad it was until this one day when I went home, and I did it again after somebody disagreed with me, because it becomes personal, right? Because you're an angry person. And I went home, uh, we used to live on Auburndale Avenue right here, and I went into the bathroom, locked the door, looked in the mirror, imagined their face, and I started just slamming my fist right into their face as if they're standing right there. And by the way, I was a youth pastor at the time, okay, so... So if you're new to church or anything else, there are plenty of angry Christians. Any amens out there on that one? You know, so we need to deal with this like anybody else. I just didn't realize it that day. And that day, as I'd always done, as I was swinging my fist, it was like the Holy Spirit popped a thought in my mind and said, look at your hands. And I remember looking at my hands, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what am I doing? What's wrong with me? You know, and then that's, that began like that road of, of like, I'm, I'm, I'm just an angry person. Now let me explain what I mean by that. I don't mean that I, at that time, that I get angry. I mean that I was always angry. And whatever tipped me, whatever triggered me, then out came my anger. Now there's either or when it comes to anger and any dysfunction, there's either or. We don't have time in this series to discuss either or, but I'll give you a little small either or. You're either aggressive, aggressive, or you're the out, verbal, outward, angry person when you, when you spill it. Or... There's passive-aggressive where you keep it on the inside and you're steaming on the inside. I was the passive-aggressive. I learned to keep it on the inside, but man, I was steaming. Anyone know what I mean by that one right there? You keep it on the inside, but boy, you, boy, if you, boy, you know what I mean. But anyway. Now let me tell you what I learned about, about anger. And I was thinking about how do I best relate this uh, so we understand the necessity of overcoming anger. Um, how many of you, like my era, 60s, you had a, I, I started driving in 72, I had a muscle car, anybody can relate to that area of time? The rest of you are just way too young, okay, God bless you, all right, so I had a, in 67, uh, I'm 72 and I got my license, my parents bought me a 67 GTO 400 engine with a four speed, yeah, I was cool, okay, 
And then I got married and then got to a minivan. You know, how many know what that feels like, right? You go from cool to not cool. You go from buying your own clothes to your wife picking out your clothes. Okay. And so, you know, yeah, it's just the way it is. And so, uh, and so I drove that car. Then I got rid of that car. Eventually got myself a 63 Corvette. Now that thing flew. Yeah, I was super cool at that time. And I remember those cars back then, you men, you just hit the gas and pedal to the metal and it would pin you to the seat. Anybody remember that? They were, they were strong cars, man. Well, back in those days, Corona on the south side was a lot of just orange groves. You, all the homes now, there were no homes there. It was orange groves. And so after school, we'd go race our muscle cars up there. And some of you, anybody live in the uh, Sierra del Oro area? Anybody? Not one person lives... Oh, okay, right there. God bless you guys. So you know... Thank you. You saved my life. Thank you. You know the surface street that runs along parallel with the freeway right there as you come off Green River? Well, that surface street there, back in my day, 76, 77, 78, someone actually marked off a quarter mile and painted a stripe at the beginning and at the end on that street right there. So people would go there and they would race their muscle cars. And so I was never one. I didn't want to get in trouble because I was a good boy. But... Um, I really was kind of, but uh, so my friends would, they'd line up their cars in different places and there and other places. And man, they'd, they'd be, you know, you, how many, you know, drove us, they drove a stick and our cars were stick back then. And then they put the clutch in and they put that pedal down and they're waiting for somebody to say go. And then man, then they go. Now let, let's pretend you're in that race and, and you're in one car and somebody's in another car. Let's say somebody else in that car, you're in this car. And you got your clutch in, and you're hitting that gas down, and the revs, it's revving higher on your tachometer, and that thing's really straining that engine, and all of a sudden somebody says go, and the one car that you're not in just goes, but the one car you're driving and you stay there, you keep the clutch in, and you keep the pedal to the floor like, Aah! are you going anywhere? But if you stay doing that, what will happen to your engine? You're going to blow it, or at the very minimum, you're going to run out of gas. Right? Let me tell you about anger. Anger unresolved. You can suppress it. You can push it down. I'm speaking from experience. You can pretend it away, but it's always revving your emotions. It's always revving on the inside. You know what it feels like to spin in your head about someone else and they do this. How many know what I mean by that one, right? And we suppress it and suppress it. We push it down and we think I got control. You got control of nothing. Because all you're doing is you got the gas pedal down, you got the clutch in, and the tachometer of your emotions is just revving until finally something's going to pop or you're going to emotionally run out of gas. And you're going to go into a potential, possibly, depression. I know what it feels like. I know what it feels like to keep those emotions down for years and years. And finally, you just have to give it. you got nothing left. And so dealing with anger is huge. And anger in all of our us relationships you know, is huge. Now, a couple weeks ago, I spoke ahead of uh, what I really wanted to do because I knew this message was coming up in this series, but I spoke ahead and I, I wish I hadn't done it. But remember when I asked you, how many of you are angry? Anybody remember that? Well, good, seven of you. Praise the Lord. Okay, you really pay attention to me. Huh? Okay, let me ask you, how many of you are angry? Angry people. Okay. Now, let me define it now. Let's see how many are really angry. Okay, put them up on the screen. See, here's the definition of anger. This is when you are consistently in your notes, irritated with people or situations, consistently. How many of you get irritated easily? Raise your hand, you're irritable. If they didn't raise your hand, raise it for them. 
How about this? You're consistently impatient with people or situations. How many consistently impatient? Yeah, I saw you at Coles in line, lady. Okay. <laughs> How about this? You're consistently pouting, meaning you shut down your emotions and you don't want to talk or whatever. Yeah, raise your hand. Consistently do that. Shut down. Okay. Right. Okay, good, good. Got a plenty of angry people in the room. Speaking of the right crowd, right? That is the angry person. Not that I get angry, but I'm always angry. And something pushes my button, and here it comes. Now, I looked up some of the symptoms or things that happen in the human body if we don't deal with our anger. And here are some of them, and they're real fun. Watch. Headaches. How many enjoy headaches? Here's another fun one. Insomnia. How about this one? Depression. How about this one? Skin problems. And then it goes on to even better stuff, digestive problems. And then increased anxiety. We all enjoy anxiety, right? And then high blood pressure. How many on that pill, huh? How about this one? Heart attack. Jim, you're talking about your life. I know, all right? I know, calm down. Now you're getting personal. How about this one? Stroke. These are all things that can happen if we keep suppressing anger in our life and we don't deal with anger. And so, by the way, everybody around you would love for you to deal with your anger and do something with it rather than let it blow out the sides or shut down or be irritable or become impatient or pow- or whatever. Everyone would want that. So we're in this series and we've been covering a lot of topics that, that affect us relationships and today we're going to talk on anger and I'm going to go a lot of different ways on this and uh, I want us first though to read our verses that we read every week and I need everyone to read them with me. Uh, my throat's real scratchy. I'll probably cough in the middle of a lot of things today. I'm trying not to right now, but I need you to help me today because <laughs> I've had this virus. <laughs> it won't go away. Here we go. Three verses all together. Come to me, all who are weary. <laughs> Gentle and humble in heart. You'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So here comes Jesus. He says, I want you to have rest in your soul. But when we have anger, there's no rest for the soul. There's just a lot of anxiety and a lot of angst within us. And he wants us to have rest in our soul to make it a lighter, easier life on ourselves. So we're going to you know, address the mess And our statement each week, we try to tell you is this, if I fix me, then what? Let's try it again. If I fix me, I fix us. That's right. So what we mean by that is that we're going to take, we're trying to take personal responsibility for ourselves. Not say, well, everybody else needs a change, but not me. That's just not the way it works. We need to take responsibility. If I fix me, then things around me will tend to kind of play out pretty good in my life if I fix me. So open up your Bibles to Jonah chapter 4. He's an Old Testament prophet in the Hebrew Scriptures. Uh, on your phone, on your iPhone, your app, it'll be page 479 if you're looking that up. And uh, that's not true. Okay, right there. But if you don't have a Bible or anything like that, you, it'll be up on the screen now. Jonah, you've probably heard of Jonah if you're not a church person. He got swallowed by a giant fish. And you say, well, I can't believe that story. That's okay. You can still come to church here if you don't believe it. You're not going to hurt my feelings at all. I believe it. Jesus affirmed it. I'm okay with you not believing it. But let me tell you, uh, let me give you a lead in to the story because we're going to pick up at chapter four. So you need to know a little bit about why this is going to happen, why he's reacting this way. So let me tell you. Jonah 
is told by God, go to Nineveh and preach to the Ninevites. Jonah, instead of going that way, goes which way? That way. He goes exactly 180 degrees in the wrong direction. He's running from God's will. And it's a terrible place to be when you're outside of God's mission. Um, Now, the question is, who are these Ninevites and why is Jonah running? Well, the Ninevites, these people are called Assyrians. Not Syrians, but Assyrians. And the Assyrians were just mean hombres, man. They were just mean people. They would conquer areas and towns and villages and they would peel the skin off men and rip their tongues out, take your heads off, make pyramid stacks of skulls and everything else. They were bad to show you, you better watch out, we come by. And so it's a terrifying thing when God says, hey, go preach to those guys. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm going that way, not that way. But there's another thing you got to remember, you got to know. And that is that Jonah... (coughs) Jonah lives in the northern part of Israel. The Assyrians have invaded the northern part of Israel in times past. They've killed people. They've taken people. And maybe some of these people were Jonah's friends and relatives. Or maybe Jonah just heard the stories. And he hates the Assyrians. And so when God says, go preach to them, go share with them because I want to save them, maybe Jonah thinks, save them? I want them dead. I can't stand them. I hate them. I am not going to go there and try that at all. Have you ever thought it's interesting or wondered this? That whenever we are so angry or we hate people or unforgiving, that God seems to bring that person or someone like them around us? Anybody? Now, why is that? Why would God be so mean to us angry people? You know why? Because God's not just concerned about saving the Assyrians in Nineveh. He's concerned about saving one man by the name of Jonah. Jonah's got a bad heart. And God's concerned about every one of us, whether you're a follower of Christ or not. He wants to change that anger and give you peace and grace and mercy in your heart. He wants you to function like a human being is what he wants. No, let's read the story because this word picks up. The people have repented. Jonah's preached the shortest message ever. Yet 40 days and judgment's coming and everyone repents and, and this change. And Jonah's not happy. Now watch, chapter 4, verse 1, in the aftermath of all this. But it greatly displeased Jonah. (coughs) And he became what? Oh, there it is, Jonah, the angry prophet. He prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? In other words, we had a conversation earlier, God. Do you remember what I told you? I knew this was going to happen. That's why I didn't want to come. I knew that you were going to save him. I knew it. Therefore, in order to forestall this, in other words, I try to stop you from saving them. That's why I fled. In order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish. For I knew that you are gracious and compassionate, God, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. I know what you're all about. I knew this. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life for me. He goes, let me die. For death is better to me than life. Isn't it funny when something happens good to somebody we don't like? It's like, kill me, God. The Lord said, do you have good reason to be angry? Great question, right? You know, Jonah doesn't answer it yet. So God's not going to relent in that one. Verse, uh, Verse five. Then Jonah went out from the city and he sat east of it. There he made a shelter for himself, makes it a lean-to, and sat under it in the shade until he could see what was going, 
what uh, would happen in the city. In other words, even though the people repent, he's sitting outside the city, up on the hill, he wants, he's still hoping that God's going to rain down judgment on these people. So he's got his little snack there and everything else. He's like, okay, God, bring it down. So the Lord appointed a plant and it grew up over Jonah to be shade over his head to deliver him from his discomfort. And Jonah was not just happy, he's extremely happy about the plan. Now, it's not going to last long because how many know angry people don't stay happy very long? Because someone's going to tick them off. But God appointed a worm and when dawn came the next day, it attacked the plant and it withered. The killer worm. What a great movie title, huh? But God uses a little worm. God earlier used a big fish, right? And now he's a little worm. How many of you ever feel like you're the little worm in the story of God? Isn't that great God used little worms like us, right? Okay, and it came about when the sun came up that God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint and begged with all his soul to die saying, death is better to me than life. Then God said to Jonah, here comes the question again. You ever notice God doesn't stop? He's going to get to the heart of why we are the way we are. Here comes God, he says, do you have good reason to be angry about the plant? This is the second time he says, Jonah, why are you angry? And here's what Jonah says. And he said, I have good reason to be angry, even to death. Okay, so the plant dies and you want to die. Okay, okay. Oh, that's in verse 9. So let me pray and let's get into this. Here we go. God, we just pray today, Lord, that you're going to make sense of this whole thing. God, for some of us in this room that, you know, we struggle with anger. It's something that's real in our life. We feel it. It's, it's palatable. It's, it's like thick. And it's ruining some of our us experiences in life. So God, today we pray for the beginning of healing. In Jesus' name we pray and we all say, Amen. Amen. Here we go. Three things that I'm going to draw out of the story. Then I'm going to draw some, give you some stuff that I used to do as an angry person that was really stupid and stuff like that that ruins us. So number one, you notice, and that is this. Jonah, the angry man, he detests God's goodness to people he's angry with. Now, have you ever noticed that God, you know, ever noticed that we can get angry at God over how God blesses people that we're angry with? Oh, one of you, raise your hand. Okay, God bless you. All right. You ever, let me put it this way. You ever not want God to bless someone? Be honest, right? That's anger right there. I don't want God, why are you blessing them? Because God blesses everybody. I mean, how many are sinners in this room besides myself? How many won't raise your hand at all? How many of you, we all know we've committed at least 20,000 sins, right? Not this week, totally, I mean, but we've committed them. But God still blesses us, and we still want Him to bless us, right? Well, God blesses everybody like that. It's just a blessing God. You know, some of you think He's an angry God. No, calm down on that one. So, the second thing we draw from the story is this. Uh, Jonah cannot comprehend God's grace his compassion and loving kindness. He can't comprehend that. Let me explain what I mean by that. Jonah says, I knew, the key word is I knew, in verse 2, I knew you to be gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, and you have loving kindness. He says, I knew that about you. Here's the big, the big transitional moment later. He knows it conceptually, but does he have it here? See, that's the problem when it comes to our Christianity sometimes. We know a lot. I read an article one time that says most Christians in North America are about 2,000 scriptures too heavy. 
We know a lot, but we got to drop it from here to here, right? I, I know, I know what you're like, God. I'm not like that. But I know you're like that. You're gracious, you're compassionate, you're slow to anger, and you have loving kindness. That's the problem in Jonah's life. And that's the problem with an angry man, angry woman. I know, but I'm not living it. It's not in here. And we got to take it from concept to application in our life. Now, the third thing we see about Jonah is this. Jonah separates. Natural tendency of an angry person, separate from the people you don't like, separate from the people you hate, separate from somebody, because it's like, I don't like those people. I detest them. Now, let me give you some practical stuff that you don't want to do. First one is this one. They're not in your notes. I call this the egg sheller. Now, what's an egg sheller? You have to walk on what around them? That's right. Isn't that fun? Let me tell you something. When you come, you know, you don't want the people to walk on eggshells around you. You don't want people to have to guess like, what mood are you in today? Question again, how many of you are irritable? Get irritable. How many of you impatient? Be honest, come on. You know, you got to be careful because you can become an eggshell where people always have to go under, okay, are they going to be mad at it? Is that going to tick them off? Are they going to respond? Are they going to react? What are they going to do? You know, you don't want to be that way. You don't want to be that way at all. I remember, I think I told you last week, I used to walk in the house decades ago and look at everything that was wrong and this and that. I was an eggsheller. Here's one of my favorite ones too, and that's this one. Olivia really enjoyed this next one. It's called the left fielder. I call it that anyway. Let's say that you're in, let's say, you know, you're, you and Frank are arguing. Okay, I'll just, he's on camera, so I'll use him right now. Because so, I can get him. He can't do anything about it. Okay. And, and so you need to talk to Frank because Frank's getting all irate and everything on that camera and stuff like that. And he's not, I know, don't you feel it right now, huh? You say, Frank, we got to talk about this. And so you throw the pitch, you're the pitcher. And Frank is the catcher catching the pitch. And we're going to talk about this right here. And Frank, what he does as a, you're not a left fielder, but I'm going to use you. As a left fielder, bang, he hits the pitch. He hits it to left field. In other words, we're not going to talk about this. I'm going to take you and I'm going to spin your head all the way around here and all the way around there. And I'm going to make up all these things and go all these different directions. And we're never going to talk about what we started talking about. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I had Olivia's head spinning for at least the first 10 years. And then I remember the first time she ever did this, she said, when I started to hit it to left field, and she said, stop right there. I know exactly what you're doing. And I thought, oh no, she's realized what's going on here. But that's what I would do as an angry man. That's what I would do. I wanted to control every situation. Let me tell you something. That is bad on a relationship. Would anybody say amen to that? Let me give you the next one. (coughs) The next one is this one. It's the UFC fighter. The problem with the UFC fighter is this. When you watch a UFC fight on TV, there's an end to the fight, huh? There's a decision, right? There's a resolve. Not in the relationship. The UFC fight in the relationship, there's no resolve. There's no end. There's no quit. You go round after round after round after round. And then if you stop, a few days later, it's going to add it again. And what I mean by that is we, because of the anger in us and this and that, we rehash everything from the past again and again and again. How many know that's real fun? We're going to talk about this again? We're going to go through this again? Yeah, because we're only in round 367 right now. And we need to get to about round 800 on this one. No, you don't want to go there. How about this one now? The next one is this one. It's the uh, insistent resistant. Now, let me, in, on June the... 
six, June 16th, we're going to talk about, I'm going to expand this one out. And it's more within a marriage concept, romantic setting, if you're engaged with somebody uh, in a pattern relationship. But the insistent resistant is this. I'm going to just say it and move on quickly. It's where one of you in the relationship is insistently angry. You want to talk and you're attacking or you're verbally going at it. But the other one is resistant. You just shut down and you don't want to talk at all. And by shutting down, you have control. And the other one, by going at it, you're trying to gain control. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. If I'm speaking to anybody. Okay. That's also dysfunctional. That's also anger on both sides and control. And then the last one is this one. (coughs) (laughs) <laughs> the shutout. You know the shutout, right? Oh, I don't like that person. Shut out! You're not, I'm not talking to you. I'm not looking at you. I'm not hanging around you. The shutout. Well, that's Jesus, isn't it? No? Yeah? Okay. Okay, what's the answer, Jim? You gave me all my problems. I don't have any answers. I'll see you later. Let me give you what I think is the beginning of the answer. Go back to Jonah 4.2. <coughs> Would you read that for me? I'm going to drink some water. Here we go. He prayed to the Lord. All is still a mountain country. Therefore, in order... For I knew you, that you are a gracious and compassionate God and slow to anger and... Abundant loving kindness. And one who relents. That's right. Okay, remember I said earlier that Jonah intellectually understood who God was? Yeah? You guys remember that? But he didn't have it in his heart at all. So what's the answer? Well, the answer is this. As a follower of Christ, And if you're not a follower of Christ, it's okay. But as a follower of Christ, shouldn't I be manifesting some Jesus out of me? Is that a yeah or a no? Is he gracious? He gives grace to us stinkers? At what point do we think our sin is better than someone else's? Is he compassionate? You know the word compassion? When Jesus walked around in the New Testament, that Greek word has the idea of gutted, like in your gut. He felt compassion. It was deep in his gut. He felt compassion for humanity. If Jesus dwells in me, shouldn't I be gutted for humanity? Shouldn't I? Yeah, yeah, no. Okay. And then he says, God, I knew you to be slow to anger. Now let me tell you, I don't think I can be slow to anger unless... I practice grace and compassion. If I don't practice grace and compassion, I'm always going to get ticked off. I'm always going to be irritable with people. I'm always going to be impatient. I'm always going to pout and shut down and do whatever if I don't practice grace and compassion. And it dwells in me because Jesus is in me. And then he says, and loving kindness. You know what Jesus said one day? It's what he tells his disciples. These are the disciples. He says, I want you. This is what I want you to do, guys. Peter, listen, Peter, listen up. Judas, oh, Judas, never mind. He says, I want you to love everyone the way I've loved you. Have you ever thought of the magnitude of that statement? 
that I'm to love everyone the way Jesus loves me and you're to do it too. Just that statement alone, does that give us the right to be angry and walk around ticked off? Not at all. Not at all. Now, now let me tell you something. Every message, and I know this from just experience. I've been preaching for about 37 years or something like that. And I know you, some of you came in here late and you think, you're only 32 looking, friend. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but you get up close. <laughs> so there's always a rebuttal. And I know that. It's like, yeah, but. There's a yeah, but in your mind. Yeah, but. They, but yeah, but. Okay, let me give you one that I don't think anyone of, any of us can get around. There's a guy by the name of Stephen in the New Testament. In Acts chapter 7, it's the fifth scroll of the New Testament. And Stephen is being killed by religious people. And they're stoning him. As they're stoning him, as they're throwing rocks at the guy. Because he's preached this message of the resurrection of Jesus. And people don't like it. Sounds like America. And they're stoning him and stoning him. And as he's dying, as he's dying, he's, you know, he doesn't sit there and go, I'm so ticked off. I'm so mad at everybody. He doesn't start throwing F-bombs all over the place. He doesn't do any of that. It says he looks up to heaven and he sees heaven open and Jesus standing at the right hand of God the Father, which is interesting because Jesus is always sitting, ministry completed. It is finished. But Jesus is standing. Now, we don't know why, except to say that maybe he's given standing ovation to my boy Stephen down there. Because Stephen's not taking it personal. Stephen's not getting angry. Because Stephen says this. As he looks up, he goes, Do not hold this sin against them. As the rocks are hitting him and as he's dying and bleeding to death. How, how are you going to give that a rebuttal? How do you say yeah but to that? That's Christianity in raw form right there. can't say yeah but to that and you could sit there and say well it's not fair yeah I know but here's the point and we've we've used this statement before you got to forgive but unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die isn't it we got to let it go got to forgive so you have peace. So your soul heals up. So you can have a lighter, easier life on the inside. So you can let the love of Jesus manifest out and the compassion and the grace and the mercy of Jesus. Look, I don't know what happened to you in the past. I know what happened to me. It made me angry. At a certain point, I got to fix me. And it's nobody's fault. I just got to fix me. Stand up with me today. And I want you to contemplate this. I don't want us to run out or go anywhere. What I want you to do right now is simply, I just want you to close your eyes. Just close your eyes. I just want you to kind of take a raw inventory of, of your life, drill in a little bit further than normal, and just think about it. Think about, okay, is there anger in me? Is there irritability, impatience, pouting, one, two, or all three, or any combination on a somewhat consistent basis? And if so then I need to do something about that. I need to do something about that. I need to forgive. I need to let go. I need to give grace, compassion, mercy, loving kindness. 
so that God can resolve these things. I might even need to go talk to somebody and get it out of my system. Somebody will hold me accountable for my own personal anger. Just begin to talk to God right now. You whisper it, talk in your head, however you want to do it. Because some of us, this is a big deal. This is where we begin. You're not gonna, I don't think you're going to be healed today. Trust me. <coughs> but let's begin. When people come around us that we don't like or we've held grudges against or whatever, I don't know, whatever it is, which God's going to bring them around us, this time we need to act like Jesus. It's says, Jim, that's awkward. It's weird. Yeah, but one day it won't be, huh? One day it's going to feel pretty normal if we do it right. Talk to Jesus. Repent of that anger. Repent of that unforgiveness. Repent of that bitterness. And that simply means to turn around and walk a different direction than the road you're on. Stop drinking the poison and expecting the other person to die. You're the one heading towards depression. You're the one heading towards physical problems. You're the one. And it's not helping any of your us relationships. And here comes Jesus and he wants to heal you and free you.